Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Undrafted, episode 4. We have a really good show in store today. We actually have two calls set up. Uh, one with a friend of mine, Jose. A different Jose, not producer Jose, but they're actually they're both Puerto Rican, so it does get confusing at times. And then uh, Mark Goodman, our resident Browns fan. He'll be in uh, towards the end of the show. Always good content from Mark. So looking forward to that. Today I want to go over uh, actually some NFL rule changes that we've seen and, and how that's affected some gameplay, especially in regards to player safety. That's actually some of the stuff I'm going to throw towards Jose's way uh, later when we get into that call. A couple of the, We'll go over a couple of the uh, game picks as we, we are recording this Sunday. About halfway through, we are halfway through the Seahawks-Cowboys game right now. So we'll, we'll go over a couple of the picks and how I fared with that. Other than that, I guess let's we'll just dive right into it. Let's talk about the uh, NFL rule changes. We've seen some rule changes with the uh, with kickoff procedure. I actually forgot to mention that one to my producer earlier. He's he's making a face because I forgot to tell him. But we we're definitely they, they changed our our rule kickoffs right now. The uh, the kicking team can no longer take off until the ball is kicked. I I think already through three weeks now. We have seen that that has affected the kickoff game. The kickoff in football has always been considered a dangerous play. You have players running full speed downhill into motionless players almost, players that have very little force behind them. Well, I'm sure we're all familiar with the equation, force equals mass times acceleration. When you have two 200-pound men running at each other and one has you know, a 40-yard head start worth of speed built up, momentum. It's not very safe for the other player. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a given. They've, they've, that, that rule change really did, I think, affect a lot of stuff. We're seeing less injuries through week three already on the kickoff play. And we're, we're also seeing better returns, I think. And we're seeing a lot less balls being... Wow, that sounded weird. We're seeing a lot less kickoffs directed through the end zone now. And like I said, more returns, which I think is great. You know, com- a competitive NFL is what we all want. Uh, the new the new catch rule and the mechanics behind the catch. You know, it's always been the past couple years, you're watching it. You're watching a catch happen, and then he fumbles it. And it turns out, oh, it's an incomplete pass. And depending on which side of that ball you're on, you know, if, if you're rooting for the offense, you're like, oh, incomplete pass. If you're rooting for the defense, oh, no, it's a fumble. But it's always been an incomplete pass. Well, those plays are now going to be fumbles. Jesse James catch last year against the New England Patriots, the go-ahead touchdown for the win. That's a catch now with the new rules. The Des Bryant catch, if you watch uh, NFL's Football Life, Tony Romo said that throw would have been the greatest throw of his career. Think about that. That Des Bryant goes up, catches the ball, clearly makes a football move, dives for the end zone, fumbles it in the end zone, but it's an incomplete pass because of the process of the catch at the time. It's absurd. It's crazy. Tony Romo said that was the that should have been the greatest throw of his career because that would have been a playoff-winning touchdown throw. I'm glad we got the rule change in place for that. A catch should not be that complicated. Especially for those bang-bang plays. He caught it or he didn't. We, we had it too complicated. We simplified it. It's so much better now, you know. In regards to the end zone and the breaking the plane, you know, as soon as the front tip of that ball crosses the first transverse line of that white chalk in the end zone, 
the play's dead. That's how it needs to be. And that's, I mean, that's how it is now, especially with the new catch rule. That's, we, we need to keep it simple. Oversimplify things. As a wise man once said, everything should be made as simple as possible, but not simpler. We're talking about a game that for the past hundred years, we've been measuring it with a chain. We measure first downs with a chain. It's 2018. We haven't evolved to a laser system. We still use the same chain. Let's keep it simple, guys. Catches are simple. Which brings me now to player safety. I'm almost baffled by the conversation around amount to, you know, how, how upset people are getting in the, the conversation around the hit from Clay Matthews to Alex Smith, you know, and it, it draws outrage. And, and the week before there was an outrage and, you know, it's the, the conversation is, well, what are they supposed to do, right? What, what is a defensive player supposed to do when they're hitting the quarterback? Not drive their weight into them, not, there's, there's a million answers and none of them are 100% correct. Most of them are probably less than 50% correct. Here's what it boils down to. This game has to evolve and change for player safety, mainly because nobody wants to watch an NFL without Aaron Rodgers. Nobody wants to watch an NFL without Tom Brady. Fast forward five years. Let's, let's take five years in the future. Nobody's going to want to watch an NFL without oof, Patrick Mahomes, maybe. Baker Mayfield, I don't know. I'm just you know naming your hot rookies right now. What I'm getting down to with that is the rules maybe the rules may be confusing or just vague enough, but it's intentional. Go look at the NFL's TV ratings when you have star players hurt versus when you don't. A lot of people want to say that ratings were down last year and the year before because people were boycotting because of the you know players taking a knee during the anthem, and some were for it, some were against it. So they boycotted their team based on what their team did, and I don't think so. I uh, you know maybe on the Facebook page we'll post a graph that shows when Aaron Rodgers was hurt and how the TV ratings were before, after, and during. the The point I'm trying to make is the NFL is trying to protect the quarterbacks. They're trying to protect wide receivers, star players. That's that's it. When you draft for your NFL fantasy football team. You draft an entire defense, not individual defensive players. But you do draft your individual quarterbacks, your running backs, your wide receivers, your everything offense you draft individually. Those are the stars of the game. Yeah, you have your Khalil Max, You have your star defensive players throughout the league. But, you know, that's a handful versus every, every team who has their star offensive weapons that everyone's always talking about. There hasn't been a specific focus this year on player safety. I mean, there has, but people, I think, are not aware of the long line of rules that have come to play or that have come in effect with player safety in mind. A block in the back or a clipping penalty, that came into play for safety reasons. There is nothing worse than getting blindside, peel back blocked by a 300-pound lineman. It's like getting hit by a truck and you're not looking. It's crazy. Those rules came into effect. Go look at a uh, type in Heinz Ward, you know, breaks Ed Reed's jaw or something like that. Go type it in YouTube. It wasn't a blindside blocker or anything, but the point I'm trying to make is Ed Reed wasn't looking, and that's the kind of effect a hit on an unaware player can do. The defenseless receiver penalty. 
this was, you know, a multifaceted rule. And when I, when I say that, I mean in the sense of there were several goals to it. One, you know, everyone wants to watch an NFL where we're scoring a lot of points. So what do you do? You, you change the rules up. You tell the receiver, look, you focus on catching the ball, securing it, and running with it after. We will give you rules to protect you. It used to be, and I remember it in middle school football, high school football even maybe, you know, no receiver would even dare or dream of crossing the middle of the field because a linebacker would clean your clock. Now it's you got Odell Beckham Jr. turning slants into 90-yard touchdown runs. Defenseless receiver. Multifaceted rule. One, he's not looking, so helmet-to-helmet hits, things like that, targeting the head of a receiver. They can't do anything to protect themselves. You have to protect them. But two, it also helps keep a high-scoring game that's going to get good TV ratings. And then also, you know, it protects those. You know, uh, Vontez Burfix hit on Antonio Brown in the playoffs. Antonio Brown was knocked out for the next playoff game. The Steelers lost that playoff game. Maybe they win that game with Antonio Brown. Granted, there was a penalty and fines and this and that. And, and for the record, um, I mean, somebody tagged Vontez Perfect in this. I don't know. I think you are a dirty, nasty player. And you don't belong in our NFL. But the point of that is, you know, NFL is protecting its best interests in putting out quality product every Sunday. Let's go ahead. Let's, let's get on the phone with Jose. Let's talk to him about a couple things. Little on Jose, uh, he was a college basketball player in Puerto Rico. Uh, he, he was in the Army, so thank you for your service, Jose. Uh, that's actually where I met both of the Jose's, was in the Army Reserves. Um, but, Jose, you there? I am. Great, Jose. Hey, thanks, thanks for coming on, man. In today's episode, I've spent some time talking about player safety and the rule changes geared towards that. Do you think the NFL or, or football in general at any level – is becoming less entertaining because of the safety-related rule changes. I, I definitely wouldn't say it's becoming less entertaining. I mean, I'm, too, I'm personally tuning, tuning in every Sunday to, to watch football, every Saturday as well to watch college football. I think the, the fact that these rules are, are kind of evolving and changing also has to do with how, how, how our athletes in general have evolved. I mean, we've got a lot faster athletes, a lot more powerful athletes, and I mean, that makes the game a lot more entertaining, but it also makes the game a lot more dangerous. And, and it's very important for the league to kind of protect our assets and, and make sure that, that our players are safe. And I think the leading with the crown of the helmet rule is one of the biggest things for me is, is it's also protecting the, the defensive player as well because so many CTE, I mean, that CTE term gets thrown around so so much. We've seen uh, within the past few years how, how CTE has, has become more of a big factor into our players' safety, but leading with the with the crown of the helmet won't help defensive players in general to uh, to avoid CT maybe maybe in the future. And obviously, the the rules that are trying to protect the quarterback that's protecting your, your biggest asset. We're watching the games, and we like high speed. We like people to score. We like seeing uh, Aaron Rodgers on the field. So it's it's very important to protect that asset, and it's very important for the for the league. It, it is a business, so it's very important for them to, to protect those people and make money from them. You you had a lot of actually really good, amazing points in there that I will definitely be divulging into once we get off this call. Good stuff on that, Jose. Real quick, um, so we, we discussed a little bit before the call that you are a father. Now, I, I made the mistake of thinking you had a son, but it turns out it's two daughters. But let's, let's, let's flip it. Let's say you do have a son. You know, you have one boy. 
knowing the way football is, how dangerous and violent it is, how would you feel if you had a son who wanted to pursue football? First off, I'd, I'd probably be terrified if, if I had a son that's trying to pursue football. With my girls, hopefully uh, none of them are trying to pursue a, a, a career in the, in the NFL or hopefully not in the in the lingerie football league for that matter. Um, <laughs> I, I would, if, if my kid doesn't want to play football, I, I would want him to, to, to do what he wants to do, to play the sport that he wants to play. And I wouldn't impede my child from, from playing that sport. But I feel like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of factors that go into it. There's a lot of a lot of things that will worry me as a, as a parent, and will probably worry a lot of parents out there. And I think one of the most important factors in in the development of, of our children and our players is those youth coaches. I mean, I, I feel like I definitely feel like youth coaches don't get paid enough. There's a lot of volunteer youth coaches as well. But the the foundation and the fundamentals those guys implement into into our children, I, I mean, that's a, that's a huge factor. And, and teaching our children from the get go how to tackle, how to avoid using using their head. I mean, we we alluded to CTE a little bit earlier, but yeah, pr- protecting our children is is, a, is very important, and especially uh, within the phases before children turn fourteen, which is like our most important phase as as human beings with our our development. Our, our development and our, our brain development. And I think as a father, I, I would definitely be terrified, but I wouldn't discourage my child from, from actually playing. It's, um, it's obviously it's not their decision, but if they, if they want to play a sport, who am I to say, no, if you want to play base, uh, football, no, play baseball instead. I, I, I'm not, I wouldn't want my parents to, to deal with me that way with when I was a child. And, and I definitely wouldn't want to be that, that, that dude as a father, you know. No, de- definitely. I'm going to piggyback off something you said real quick about, you know, the, the youth coaches and stuff. I'm sure, as you know, I, I did some coaching for a little bit um, at the youth level, uh, kind of that right before they get to middle school. And But I, I was always a quarterback's coach, offensive coordinator, that type of thing. But I do remember, you know, you look over to the defensive side of the practice field and j- they're teaching these defensive players to – Essentially, you know, they're, they're saying kill the other player, you know, rip his head off. It's it's so violent. And kind of what you said, there's not really fundamental tackling being taught in youth football. And I agree with you 100%. I think that's a problem. Uh, but, Jose, let's let's lighten up a little bit. Give me your Super Bowl 53 matchup. Uh, I think I'm going with uh, with Rams-Chiefs. Maybe maybe Rams-Jags. But I think, I think in the past it's a lot easier to say, hey, the AFC is going to be the Patriots. And then you don't know who's coming out of the NFC. But I feel like this year, the NFC is a little bit less competitive than usual. And the AFC seems seems to be a lot stronger in, uh, in terms of competitiveness. And I, I feel like the Rams have a, have a pretty solid shot at getting into the Super Bowl. And, and the Chiefs and Jags have just been impressive from the, from the start. Jose, I, I couldn't agree with you more if you've listened to any of my shows. You know, my, the Rams are my pick for the NFC champions. Now, you know, of course I'm a Steelers fan, so I'm going to be a homer and say, oh, the Steelers are going to the playoffs in the AFC. But just going off your picks, if I had to agree with you on one of them, it would be the Jaguars. And I I think the Chiefs, yeah, the Chiefs are hot right now, but the Chiefs were hot last year at the beginning as well, even with Alex Smith. I think as soon as someone figures out how to stop that Chiefs offense, it's kind of game over because that Chiefs defense isn't stopping anyone. 
But they are hot right now. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes, you know, he's he's already set a record halfway through today, you know. So it's it's Sunday week three, and he's still lighting it up. Um, real quick, we'll, we'll change it up a little bit. Um, staying on the same note since you brought up the Chiefs, why do you think Patrick Mahomes is having such a hot start? Well, first off, uh, he's got plenty of weapons at his disposal. I mean, he's got... Tyreek Hill, which is the dude's a speedster, and he's like uniquely gifted. The dude uh, is just impressive down the field. He, he the, the offense is geared to, to making plays for him and getting the ball to him, and and put the ball in, in Tyreek Hill's hands. Something something special is going to happen. Also, got a rejuvenated Sammy Watkins out there, who's who's always been fast. So you've got two speedsters going going out, and then you also have Travis Kelsey who I, I believe is the second-best tight end in the league right now. And then you, you've got a good, a solid running back in, in Kareem Hunt. And that balanced attack will, will kind of keep defenses honest. But besides that, I think Patrick Mahomes is just confident. That first year, and I, I feel that's so important in the NFL, is for rookies to, to be able to get a first year on the bench, see the game, get a feel for the game, and, and gain knowledge on, on your playbook and, and gain that confidence and, and he looks really confident out there and he's, he's getting time to scan the field so his O-line's doing their job and, he, and he's just going through his reads and, and making the right plays he's got so he's, his, his arm is just ridiculously strong to, to start with and I think the thing that's been most impressive to me is his accuracy he's been his, he's been pretty accurate at, in these first three games I mean we'll see we'll see how how long he can keep that up but it's it's just it's just a fun offense to watch. Jose, I'm gonna piggyback again off something you just said because it, it's perfect and it's the exact way I I scripted it for my show. You you talked about that year on the bench to watch. You know, now this past Thursday we saw Baker Mayfield come in, play play lights out, great football. Baker Mayfield did not have that year on the bench, so here he is. We, we may see him for the rest of this whole season. We may not. Do you think that that was a one-time thing for this season, having a lights-out game? Or do you think the the Browns potentially go off and, and play for a wild-card spot in the AFC? I, I don't think it's going to be his, his one solid game. Um, I'm, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't do such a, a hot take to say that the Browns are, are going to be in the playoffs. But I think... He's going to have bad games. He's a rookie. He's definitely he's definitely going to have his struggles uh, going down down the road. We we got we got a little glimpse of him in that game against the Jets, but the game game plan wasn't set up for for Baker Mayfield. It was just set up for uh, Tyrod Taylor. And now now that teams have have a little bit of tape on him and, and can see what he does, the game plan is obviously going to adjust the defense to to factor Baker Mayfield, but. I, I still believe that Baker Mayfield will find some sort of success in his first year. He's got he's got such good skills. I would say almost elite level skills when it comes down to like accuracy and his decisiveness. It's it's pretty impressive to watch, and his he throws his ball so hard with such a tight spiral. It's pretty it's pretty sick into such tight windows. I think the Browns had two or three drops that were just. The ball was thrown so hard, and the receivers weren't even expecting it. They bounced right off their chest. So he, he's he's an impressive player to watch. He's an impressive an impressive QB. But what puts him over for me is the fact that he's just got this this swagger and this like will to win. 
that, that you can't teach. It's, it's just something that's that's in him. And uh, so many guys will say that they live for, for pressure situations, but I I firmly believe that Baker Mayfield loves to play in pressure situations. Not everybody does. I mean, you could say it, but um, honestly, I'd prefer to be up by 14 than, than to, to, to be playing in a tied game or down by three with two minutes left. But, but Baker does a really good job of that, and he also has uh, plenty of weapons as well. So I don't, I don't think, I don't think he'll be unsuccessful for the rest of the year. And I think he'll have some other good performances just because of the fact that he's got, he's got very solid targets. I mean, Jarvis Landry is a beast, and then you've got Callaway, who's proving to be a very impressive rookie. Then you've got Carlos Hyde, who I think is a very underrated running back, and Njoku is is a pretty good t- tight end. He's a pretty good receiving tight end. He's uh, he's there when when all the other reads are gone, and you've got him up the middle. He's he's a pretty uh, big target to, th- to throw to. So I think I think Baker has several good games throughout the year, and I I, I maybe have him winning seven games, maybe eight towards the, towards the end of the year, which is uh, which is a lot more than they've had in the past two. Most definitely, Jose. Uh, couldn't agree with you more on some of those things. Uh, real quick, I want to go and. Talk about, you know, you said it's a hot take saying they're playing for a, a wild card spot. I just want to bring up the Browns, you know, with two field goal errors, if you take those away, are 3-0. I agree, yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy to think about. I actually I said at the beginning of the season I thought they had an 8-8 eight and eight roster playing Tyrod Taylor. Let me sneak another Browns-related question. You're Hugh Jackson. Who do you play Sunday? Tyrod Taylor or Baker Mayfield? No doubt. I mean, the only, yeah, the only reason Tyrod Taylor's been playing is, is, is I think that's the thing we talked to a, a little bit earlier about giving rookies confidence and have them see the field and, and, and learn the playbook a little bit. But, yeah, Baker Mayfield, I think, is, is a lot better than Tyrod Taylor. And I think uh, that gives his, his skill position players a lot more room on the field to work with. And, I agree with you. I'll, I'll get more into Baker Mayfield later on my show. One last question for you. That, now, this question's 100% geared for you, knowing you're a New York Giants fan. Uh, they've, they've, they've not, they have not been hot the first two weeks, and actually somehow today um, I called them out on my show week three, so of course they're going to show out and play Super Bowl type of football today and win their game. But, you know, we're, we're looking at one and two. You look at the rest of the NFC, you look at the rest of the NFC East especially, should the Giants kind of tank and look at the future, especially at the quarterback position? What do you, what do you think? The emotional side of me says no. And I think also the logical side of me would say no. Um, I mean, I love Eli Manning. I realize he's 37 years old. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say tank would be, would be uh, necessary, uh, the, the necessary answer to, to, to that, I think. First off, the NFC East is always a toss-up. You never know who's going to win it. I mean, the Eagles are looking a little bit more solid now that, that Wentz is out there. The Cowboys look pretty solid against us, so we'll see. We'll see how they do. And the Redskins also look solid. So it'll it'll be a tight. I think it'll it'll be a tight race to, towards the end of the season within the NFC East. But I don't think there's so many teams around the league that are actively seeking quarterback right now 
where you have to tank the season. And then the other issue with the Giants is the fact that it's the offensive line. The offensive line has been bad for, for years now. And we drafted Eric Flowers assuming that he was going to be this monster. He was drafted in front of Todd Gurley to, to kind of give you uh, an example of how good we thought he was going to be. And he just can't block anything. So uh, week three <laughs> against Houston, they, they, they actually benched Eric Flowers. I think uh, his only protection was the fact that uh, Jerry Reese loved him when he drafted him. And now that Jerry Reese is, is out as a general manager, then you could kind of bench the guy. So they, they benched Eric Flowers' this past game for Wheeler. And Wheeler, I mean, J.J. Watt still had, I think, like three sacks or so. And Wheeler was blocking J.J. Watt, but blocking J.J. Watt is, is a tough task for anybody. So it's been impressive to see the O-line work a little bit better this week. Uh, Saquon got a little bit uh, more room to run with. So the more we work that O-line, I think that's what we need to keep targeting in future drafts is uh, improving our offensive line. I mean, we, we win games on the offensive and the defensive line. It's very important to get pressure on the quarterback if you're the defensive line, and it's very important to avoid that pressure if you're the offensive line. So we need a, a stronger defensive uh, offensive line, and we also will need a quarterback as well because Eli is, is old. But I wouldn't say um, it's necessary to tank right now, seeing so many uh, bottom-of-barrel teams already having uh, their guys. You, you see the Jets that have Darnold now. You see the Cardinals who uh, have Rosen. And the Buffalo Bills have Josh Allen. Yeah. Did you watch the Bills today? Very impressive this week. Jesus. Very impressive this week. The Vikings were not ready for that. I wasn't ready for that. No one was. Very great stuff, Jose. Um, We need to have you on again here in the near future. Um, And actually here, after I kick you off the phone, I'm going to dive into a couple things you brought up, especially CTE. I think there's some members of the audience that may not be 100% aware of what we're talking about when we say that. So you, you brought up a lot of really good points, uh, and I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you for having me, and uh, I wish you best of luck with this podcast, and I'm honored to be a part of your show. Well, thanks, Jose. I appreciate that. Tune in. We'll, we're trying to get two episodes out a week. Tell your friends and tell your family, all right? We'll do. Thank all right. You. We'll talk to you soon. Jose brought up a lot of really good stuff. Really, really good call, actually. I'm really glad we had him on. One of the things I'm going to dive into real quick is CTE. Um, it stands for Chronic Traumatic Encephalopathy. I can't pronounce the word. I'm not, I'm not really going to try to. It's a very multi-syllable, long word. Probably Greek or Latin of origin. Probably Latin because it's Latin. a medical term. Yeah, we'll go with Latin, medical term. Basically, it is a degenerative brain disease found in athletes, military veterans, any anyone that would go through or has a history of repetitive brain trauma. I'm going to be 100% honest. You know, the first couple times this was coming up, I I didn't really buy into it, you know. And then I really stopped and thought about it. I've played contact sports since since I have a conscious memory. I was in the military. There are several times I can think back to times where... I did have a concussion and I, and there was not enough training in the coaching staff around me to say, Hey, you have a concussion. You you're out. 
kind of we have the concussion protocol now in the NFL where a third party, a you know, a doctor that's not related to either team at all or whatever, decides whether that player can go back into the game or not. So, you know, it's there for that that neutral doctor decides whether the player goes back in or not. I think it's a very big positive step in attacking this problem and and it really you know, there's a lot of outcry and stuff, and I see, I see on Facebook all the time people, oh, I would never let my son, or, you know, daughter, I'm not going to be sexist here, I would never let my child, we'll just say child, play football because it's going to ruin their brain, and so on and so forth, you know, and and kind of Hosea touched on it, you know, we talked about a hypothetical son, he does have two daughters, but, you know, we talked about his hypothetical son and how he would feel, and, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you, my five-year-old's playing hockey, uh, a contact sport, but... I think one of the things that you see different when it comes to hockey and rugby, let's bring rugby into it too. You don't talk about the CTE. You don't talk about the concussion problem in hockey and rugby. And I think because there's a lot more form and stuff. There's there's more of a science to playing the sport in regards to tackling and, and contact. You don't see people leading with the head. Tackles are good form body tackles. And I, I think football, we have really exacerbated the viewership out of it, and we have highlighted the big hit, the receiver getting destroyed over the middle, and it's it's that's what it's turned into. And, and now we're, we're having to backtrack, and Jose brought it up. I think it does start at our youth programs, college programs, at high school, middle school level. It, it, everywhere across the board, we need to say, this is how you tackle. This is how you run with the ball. Real quick, you know, it, people, the leading with the head rule protects it protects defensive players as well. I, I don't even remember if I said it at the beginning of the show, and if I did, I, I'm going to say it again. Go look up Trent Richardson smacks Kurt Coleman. What is that defensive player supposed to do besides just get absolutely lit up because he is making a good form tackle? You would never see that in rugby. You would never see someone lower their head and ram it into the head of another player. Why? Because they're not wearing helmets, and that would hurt (laughs) really bad. Almost implementing safety protocols such as wearing helmets has ruined our form in the game. Let's go ahead and we'll get off that topic a little. It's a little hot. It's heated. There's a lot of stuff to go with it. Actually, one more thing. Uh, You know, we are recording this Sunday, September 23rd. Blaine Gabbert went out for today. Head-to-head hit. Helmet-to-helmet contact. Marcus Mariota came in. That's why the rules are there, folks. We're trying to keep people in the game. These are fathers and brothers you're talking about. Go look up Junior Seau. CTE's real. Muhammad Ali. You ever heard him speak? (laughs) Yeah. World champion, by the way. Uh, Huge shout-out, big fan. Love the guy. You know. Bad man. He is a bad man. He is a bad man. Um, on, a, on a lighter note, Drew Brees broke Brett Favre's all-time completion record today. Future Hall of Famer Drew Brees. Actually, wonderful game today. Um, I did predict that game to go to the Saints. I predicted the Saints would win originally. Uh, what, what was it? It was uh, 20, 24 to 17. I took the Saints 24 to 17. Now the game went into overtime. The final score, the final score was uh, forty-three to thirty-seven in overtime. So that, that that's a touchdown. They won by a touchdown, like I predicted. You know, so what? I was twenty points under on both teams. It, it happens. It's the NFL. 
But nonetheless, I, I said it, you know, th- this is going to be a really good game. And I, I wasn't taking the Saints over the Falcons. I was taking Drew Brees over Matt Ryan. Really good game. Congratulations, Drew Brees, breaking that record. He actually, I mean, he had a fire game overall. I think he, let's see if we can find some stats real quick. Finished the day 39 of 49 for 396 yards and three touchdowns in the air and two on the ground. One of them, I think he broke two tackles on one of the runs for like five or 10 yards away from the end zone. It was, it was, it was amazing. Drew Brees, uh, all-time favorite. A lot of people are saying that that's Baker Mayfield's ceiling. They think he's going to be Drew Brees one day. I don't know. I guess we'll we'll see. We'll talk about Baker Mayfield a little, little later in the show after we talk to Mr. Mark Goodman. Moving on, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, potentially out with a torn ACL. That's That's the speculation on the injury right now. It really, you know, it's kind of sad to hear he was kind of having a down first couple games. Maybe it's because he was dating that porn star and he's just really tired. I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know what's going on. But uh, hope, hopefully he's not out for the season. I, I think that would really hurt 49ers playoff hopes. And, uh, you know, the 49ers, I think, definitely had a very good chance of winning their division. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to say that. The Rams are in their division. That was a That was a very silly statement. Go ahead and just scratch that. Oh, don't delete it. Don't. I'm not saying delete it from the audio. Just, I'm acknowledging that <laughs> that was a stupid statement. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. Uh, go ahead and. Yeah, my bad on that, folks. We all know the Rams are winning the NFC West. Uh, there's probably not a question about that. But I, I did think the 49ers had a shot or a run at that wild card spot. We'll we'll see and we'll retouch the subject once we get a real diagnosis or we under, we fully know the situation for good old Jimmy G. I I mentioned at the beginning of the show I, I want to do a new uh, segment called WTF. For what that stands for, if you don't know, um, I probably can't tell you. That's it's kind of one of those things. Starting our new segment WTF. Got a couple things from this Sunday we're going to talk about for that. Uh, first, uh, Josh Allen, Hurdle. Josh Allen, you are probably going to be a franchise quarterback. You cannot break your leg. You're hurdling people. WTF, Josh Allen. Taking it down the stretch the rest of that game. Bills 27 over the Vikings 6. I'm trying to run a podcast here where I give accurate predictions. Vikings, you lost when I said you were going to win. Not only did you lose, you lost bad. It wasn't even close. Vikings, WTF. J.J. Watt, or J.J. Swat, as they used to call him back in the day when he was actually doing stuff. Not his fault. He's been injured quite a bit, folks. Uh, I wish a speedy recovery, and I'm glad he's back this season. But J.J. Watt got his first sack in 735 days. For those who are not familiar with our calendar, it's over two years. No, yes, that is over two years. That's over two years without a sack for Mr. J.J. Watt. Granted, he was injured, not his fault, but still, J.J. Watt, WTF, dude. Where you been? Last one. No, excuse me, I got I got two more for WTF. I almost left the Texans out. Texans, you're 0-3. I picked you to win the AFC South. You're 0-3. You lost to the Giants, who have Eli Manning as their quarterback. The equivalent of, like, my little brother. Texans, you're 0-3, WTF. 
Broncos running back Philip Lindsay, you have been playing great this season. Football is an emotional game. The team that wins is usually the team that has their emotions in check. You were ejected for throwing a punch. Philip Lindsay, WTF. That's a fun segment. I like that. We we got once a week. Once a week we'll do something like that. It's crazy. Uh let's go ahead. Let's let's get Mark Goodman on the phone. Yeah? Shall we? Up next, we have Mark Goodman. If you remember him from our first episode, he's our resident Browns fan. Uh, Mark, you there with us? Yeah, I'm right here. Great. So re- real quick, I want to kind of set a tone and set a scene. Um, it's this past Thursday night. It's Jets versus Browns. Baker Mayfield's in. Plays great. Wins the game. Uh, I, I Actually, I, I gave you a video call on the Facebook app because I know you don't have NFL Network, so you could watch the Browns win their first game since, oh, I don't know, what was it, Christmas 2016? Yeah. How, how did that feel to get to watch that, man? What was that like for a Browns oh, fan? Dude, that, that's true bromance, man. That's all I know. True friends will, will find a way to get someone uh, video feed to watch their favorite team win that hasn't won in nearly two years. That's all I can say. Well, fantastic. Glad I could be there for you, Mark. But so on that note, talking about Baker Mayfield, um, if if you're Hugh Jackson or even even as a Cleveland Browns fan, let's leave it at that. As a fan, do you want to see Baker Mayfield play the rest of the season now? I want to see him play for 20 years and do that every week for the next 20 years. Yeah. At this point, after seeing like. After seeing Tyrod come in, I think he started the game one for ten or one for eleven. And he just seemed off. And I don't know if you remember, but the week before, I shot you a text during the game. I was like, I don't think, I think Tyrod got hit in the head pretty hard in the middle of that game. And I think he had a concussion going into this week, and no one even said anything about it. Because he, he just looked terrible. I, uh, yeah, no, no, definitely. Def, I mean, playing quarterback in the past, I, you, you never want to admit you're concussed. But definitely, looking back, there's some there's several times where I should have been yanked or pulled, and you can tell just by the level of play. And I think you are right with Tyrod Taylor. He was, he was concussed. Yeah, but as far, to answer your question on the short end of things, yeah, it's time for Baker Mayfield. He showed it. He proved it. And I've never been happier to be proved wrong. So you you remember? I'm sure before the season started, I told you you guys have an eight and eight roster. Let's let's look back at the past couple weeks. You guys are two field goals away from being three and zero. Right. You should be three and zero right now. Mm-hmm. Is a wild card spot anywhere in your fantasies right now? It's in my fantasies, but as a Browns fan, I'm trying to stay as grounded as I can. I saw after the game that we were technically in sixth place and had a wild card spot. And seeing what happened today with the Vikings getting uh, pretty much just taken out to the woodshed by the Buffalo Bills of all teams, I think anything is possible in this league. Maybe, maybe you'll see the Browns and the Bills come back from looking terrible and both make the playoffs. Now, but, I mean, I would, I wouldn't say all that craziness. Both of them coming back and getting wild card spots, but I mean, it, it's the NFL. Any anything can happen. Uh, the NFC East. Right. I mean, all divisions are wide open, but the NFC East is in- incredibly wide open compared to the past seasons. Yeah. Yeah, but 
to answer your question, do I see the Browns uh, making a push for the playoffs? I really do. I'm kind of happy to see it, but I worry for your sake about the Steelers. It seems like they're kind of falling apart, and that could give us the opening we need. Well, I'll, I'll be on, like right now, and not being a homer or anything, right now I think the AFC North is the most competitive division in football right now. Absolutely. You, you look at how good the Bengals are, how good the Ravens are, how self-destructive the Steelers are. The Steelers are a team that, you know, if you look at predictions, they're supposed to be 3-0 and after tomorrow, but they've yet to yep. win their first game. But so r- real quick, you uh, Browns, y'all visit the Raiders. You play the Raiders next week. They're 0-3. Um, is, that, is that a clinch game for y'all, or do you think it's a trap game? Uh, I think that's a trap game. Um, I think I think it's a good thing to be going into a, a game for the first time in two years with you know a W behind you, uh, with that kind of motivation. But you do not want to go into Oakland of all places, and I believe it's at Oakland. Yes, uh, that's a tough place to play. No matter what, they have uh, crazy wind that blows in from outside of the Coliseum. There, uh, you can see it during the Oakland A's baseball game. So I know you can see it during the football game. And we haven't really been doing a very good job of uh, of stopping the rush, and Marshawn Lynch is still a tank. Most definitely. So I'm gonna I'll give my prediction a little bit ahead of time. I unfortunately I do think this is gonna be Gruden's first NFL. I thought it last week. I thought he was gonna get his first win last week, or I should say today, since we're recording on Sunday. But you know they let me down. Um, I, I think I think it is a trap game for the Browns. I think. Baker Mayfield's going to see a different beast when he plays against a team that's game planning for Baker Mayfield, and I, I think I think the Browns drop that game. Now, if they don't, you know, then we'll be we'll be talking different scenarios in the upcoming weeks, of course. But yeah, but till then, uh, Mark, we appreciate having you on. Uh, I'm actually going to analyze and diagnose some of the Baker Mayfieldness here later in the show. So tune in and catch it. All right. We'll do. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Mark. That was a really good call with Mark. Always love talking to Mark. Excited for him as a Browns fan. Uh, you know, as a Steelers fan in the 2000s, you've, I've watched nothing but the Browns be bad. And granted, I, yeah, I know. Oh, Carl, they only won one game. Calm down. Let's be real real quick. They 100% should be 3-0. and They should be 3-0 and right now. They should have beat the Steelers. The Steelers lost that game seven times in one game. They should have beat the Saints, which, for the record, I picked as my upset. Thank you, Gonzalez, for missing two field goals and two extra points or whatever. And then they, they beat the Jets, and it wasn't the way I said it. And Tyrod Taylor was out. Baker Mayfield came in. Let's We'll talk about Baker Mayfield in a sec, but they won. They won. Could be a 3-0 team. We're talking they're 1-1-1 now. Looking forward to the Oakland Raiders. I think it's a trap game. They I think Oakland is the underdog in that game, but I... Like I said, trap game, Oakland. I feel like Oakland will win it. We'll see. Maybe we'll give a little more analysis later in the week. But I want to talk about Baker Mayfield. He did. He looked good. He looked really good. He had six drives, put up 21 points, essentially. Tyrod Taylor, before he got injured, had six drives and put up 20, or zero points. Excuse me, same amount of drives, put up zero points. I think he had like 14 passing yards, too. When it was all said and done. There's a funny meme on the Facebook page about Tyrod Taylor being like, oh yeah, I'm okay to go back into the game. But the Cleveland Browns are like, no, Baker Mayfield's in. You have a concussion still. 
and then like Cox's shotgun or whatever. Go check it out. It's funny. Like it, comment, subscribe, share it, send it to your grandma. Bunny memes. Baker Mayfield, though, is now, he now going against Gruden and the Raiders. He will be game planned against. I thought he played very well in his first game. I think if he can continue to play like that, we're talking about it a wild card spot for the Browns. Oh, that's a hot take, and that's a that's it's way too early to say that. A hundred percent, I agree. I ha- I have no place or grounds to make that statement. What I do think is we're going to learn a lot in the next two weeks about Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. Go back and watch a lot of those throws against the Jets. Some of those throws made it by a fingertip. Some of those throws, you know, could have been picked. Should have been picked, maybe you could say. No, 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 I'm I'm not saying he got lucky, folks. I'm not being a Baker hater. I still wish he could have a year on the bench to grow and develop. Look at Patrick Mahomes. Just broke Peyton Manning's first three-game touchdown record. Sat on the bench for a year behind Alex Smith, but well, he's in the fire now. Let's see how he let's see how he does. He's, he's I don't I don't think the Browns go back to Tyrod Taylor unless Baker Mayfield gets injured or you know something. That's me knocking on wood. I don't want the guy to get injured. I I, I hope nothing but the best for him. But we're we're gonna see we're gonna see what he's really made of. And you know we heard the comment earlier that you have some guys that really do live for those pressure situations, those pressure moments. I think that's 100% true. Let's, I want to see what Baker Mayfield's made of, and uh, I'm not going to say I su- that I, I'm rooting for him because I'm rooting for the Steelers, you know, but I'm excited to see what he does, and I hope it just isn't too early. We'll see how he does with some game planning against him, and we will, uh, we'll, move, we'll move on from there. Just wanted to thank everybody for tuning in to this episode of Undrafted. Um, this was a little different one. This one, I think, is not as time-sensitive as our other ones where we're doing a lot of predictions and things like that. And a longer episode, too. That was one of some feedback I had gotten from my listeners, from you guys, you know, that 25 to 30 minutes, you know, sometimes you want more. You want, and especially it's too quick. So, you know, trying to get, give you a lot of opinion and a lot of analysis in a, in a short, sweet amount of time. Comment and reach out. It's the only way I can know what's going on and how to make things better. And, and within the next couple of episodes, I, I want to talk about whether it's time to panic in Houston or not. They're 0-3, potentially 0-4 by the time I get to that subject. Is is Kansas City for real? They kind of did a similar thing last season, didn't they? Alex Smith was super hot. They were lighting it up. It was super crazy. And then like it was a sudden dumpster fire with homeless people using it for warmth. It was it was crazy. So we'll we'll talk about that. Is Kansas City for real? What's going on? We we heard what's going on with Patrick Mahomes from uh, Jose or his opinion on that. Let's let's t- dive into Kansas City a little more next episode. And with that, thanks for tuning in. This has been Undrafted.